and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. My name is Todd, and I am with uh, two fire friends. I've got Scott. Hello. And I've got Ash. Hello. So a little bit different uh, backgrounds. I'm currently at home in my office. Um, a couple of my family members are sick, so I'm staying at home, and I'm duty officer this week, so it was a little hard to, for me to, to get away up to the fire hall in Oliver. But uh, we're going to make it work, so hopefully our audio stays good. Um, tonight we wanted to talk about kind of what makes a good... <laughs> yeah, there might be some talk over as well, sorry. Um, what makes a good scenario, good training night, good training evolutions, high fidelity, all that. Like What makes guys engage and how do we do it? Um, so why don't we throw it to you, Scott. You can start and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, this uh, question, uh, I was training today with a couple of guys, um, one one being a firefighter uh, in my other job, and we were talking about um, scenarios in his his department, and how sometimes uh, guys aren't taking it as serious, and um, and their captain works on things pretty hard, and uh, it's been tough trying to get guys engaged in the scenarios, and um, I was just kind of throwing a few ideas at him, so I think that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um and yeah, like you said, Todd, we, we've done a fair amount over the years. Um, we always try to keep them pretty high fidelity. Um, and we try to make them as best we can. Um, Ash, you want to add anything before we get going on how to start? No, I think that pretty much hits it. I think, um, you know, if you're going to be doing this, you want to make, make sure that you put the time in prior. Um, but yeah, we can dive into that more. I think you nailed it, making it as high fidelity as possible. Um, try to involve as many people as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll dive into all of the more intricacies of it as uh, we go. I could, why don't we go back to before we all kind of started doing this? Because I think we all, both of our departments, we all had training nights where it wasn't really as engaged and it wasn't as, well, I mean, we always kind of did do the scenario-based stuff, but there's a lot of practices that, you know, you you try and plan a scenario and guys end up just taking it very slow and too cash and turning it into a training evolution rather than the actual scenario. Um, so, yeah, you, you don't want to... You don't want to use that scenario night to work on the skills. You want to have all the skills prior and then make sure everybody's executing it and working it in real speed, real time, as efficient as we can. Not saying that we can't do a quick pause and a quick little uh, cleanup of something if needed. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, depending on the event, depending on the firefighter. Um, and maybe that'll be a teaching point later after when we do our debriefing. But um, yeah, so go ahead, Scott. Yeah, and uh, actually in that discussion we were having today at lunch uh, with uh, with the other guy there, Colin, um, he had asked me when we started doing scenarios and I said, well, or I don't know if he actually asked me outright, but he was kind of like, you know, you guys do a lot of scenarios. I said, yeah. I said, I remember back when I saw our first one done here. Um, and, uh, it was kind of surprising because there's a way that uh, it was, I think it was like six months in, um, maybe a year in, and it came in as a, it was actually a full page to a uh, structure fire. And it was on a rural area. I don't know if you were on that day, Todd, or if you were maybe away. Um, it was like a derelict old house. Um, 
So full page, we are going code three. Everything was like, like it was real. We thought it was real. So, um, and we roll in and I remember captain, I think doing the three sixty. he looked in the window and he's like, there's like a burn barrel in there. He's like, I think these crackheads are trying to kill themselves. Cause there was like a burn barrel burning in there. And it was like, you know, billowing out. Like, I think they had hay in or something. I, I don't know. I, like I said, I was very new. So, um, I think I was on second or third truck in, and my job was probably to back up the backup of the backup guy. <laughs> so I was like way in the back. Um, but I was watching all this and I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. And then, uh, I remember two guys pushed in, um, they vented, they, you know, I can't remember how everything went, but I remember the two guys went in and then within pretty short order, it was like, they come pulling out this dummy and we're like, what? And then everybody kind of realized, Oh man, that was like a scenario. So that was like the, I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. Um, and then I was kind of talking to some of the guys about it and they said, Oh, we, we never like, that's like, we do that every few years. Like every few years, they throw one of these at us. I'm like every few years. Well, that was pretty crazy. That should be every few weeks. <laughs> so, um, I wasn't training officer yet, obviously. I was, but you know, that was that always planted in my head that that scenario and how it went. Um, what it, it wasn't quite live fire because we didn't have a burn building then. Um, it was it was just an old derelict house. They didn't light it on fire. They just had the burn building in there or the burn building, the burn can in there, blowing out smoke, a little bit of heat, uh, making it for a little bit poor, poor visibility, and the building was going to get torn down anyways. Um, but yeah, it was uh, from the start of the page um, to the fact that we actually responded code three. Um, to the fact that everyone was like rolling, like it was real. Um, I think that was kind of like, that got my attention on these scenarios. Um, obviously over the years now, um, we've done so many scenarios now, guys, I just know it's a scenario night. But, um, part of the thing was, um, in this discussion we had today was that our guys still to this day, take the scenarios fairly seriously. Um, you know, sometimes they're a little bit of joking, but for the most part, they're trying to rock and roll on the scenario, um, as though it's real. So, um, that's what I, you know, our guys are awesome for that. They, they don't, you know, they don't really slack off in those scenario nights. Yeah. I think I remember it just as you're telling that story, I remember, um, well, this is going back to early two thousands. Um, I was, uh, I was on your department still. Um, but I was asked to help with the ambulance in Osuias for a scenario night. Um, being the fact that, you know, the guys would see me there and see me there as the ambulance side, not the fire side. And we went and stoved a, uh, stoved a pickup truck under a, uh, deck truck, uh, or, uh, from a, a semi-truck trailer, uh, up in one of the, um, industrial areas. Nobody knew anything about it. They paged it out. Same scenario. Everybody responded up there. We had ambulance involved. So ambulance came up and, and helped with the training event as well. They responded to code three. And I think somebody, I want to say somebody, there's no fire, but I think they simulated a, uh, a fuel leak and the guys were dealing with that. And then they kind of realized, hey, that's not fuel. Um, but then the other guys doing the auto acts of the, of the patient, they still had no idea. So they're treating it as, as real as it comes and started going through everything. Uh, but they're so focused in on just the driver. We actually had uh, Scott Driver, one of our past members, who's now the chief out in Cranbrook. He was laying in the box of the truck, quiet didn't say peep nobody checked the box of the truck had a canopy on it and stuff and once they did kind of pulled the pulled the first patient out everybody starts scaling back down okay yeah we're fine you're stepping back putting the equipment back down and you hear this bang 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 help and i remember looking at their faces everybody was like oh shit 
we forgot somebody, we missed something. And they jumped right back in there and their, the stress level was high. And then they saw Scott were like, wait a minute, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is not real. Okay. And then there's a few of this, what the fuck, this is a training night? Yep, this is a training night. <laughs> but the taste I had in my mouth from that was kind of like, well, like it was good to see them hustling, but still, like, as soon as they had, they saw that familiar face, there's a bit of a panic. Was, oh shit, we know this guy. Versus, hey, wait a minute, this isn't real. Like, what the hell? Like, you should have at least told us that. Hey, this is a scenario. Um, so I feel it's it's very important letting them know that. Hey, this is the training night. This is a training evolution or a scenario evolution. Um, you know, maybe some simulated blood or whatever. But uh, yeah, it's it's not real. Because you don't want to, you don't want to stress the guys out to the degree of that panic that they, hey, shit, they missed something now, and and it's just not a good, good way to set up your event. Yeah, it's kind of a fine line you got to balance between like how real to make it and then um, how yeah. real not to make it. Um, yeah, because you don't want them to be um, slacking on it, but you also don't want them to get PTSD over the scenario night. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um yeah, I think the way we've been doing things for a number of years now with you guys and us, um leading up to that and night, like having a couple of practices, um practicing the scenario evolutions of if it's live fire, hey, we're doing um you know, we're pushing some teams in, we're doing V V I S or we're gonna do a firefighter down or a search and pull somebody out. Um and then knowing that hey, there's a that third practice, that's gonna be the the scenario night now you don't know exactly what one of those training evolutions is going to be but you just practice them all so you're just going to reach into that toolbox grab what you need and go yeah and i think it's always been an important part of the um of the sims is, is doing the um the pre-build of the skills and the guys know something's coming um they know that something's gonna that we've done is going to be part of the scenario usually um, sometimes we have, um, what we've kind of done lately is we have, um, the skill they practiced, but then also somehow in the scenario, we throw a skill they haven't practiced in a while in there. So it kind of, they kind of get that little bit of, uh, oh, I'm really good at this. Oh, we got, but I got to work on that. And then literally the next practice, that's what we work on. So it, it's kind of like, um, like the, it's, kinda, it's not really a shit sandwich, but it's like, Hey, you're, like, you're really good at this. And then, oh, we kind of suck at that. Oh, but don't worry. We're going to train you on it. So, you know, don't get too upset about it. Yeah, so one thing uh, that pops in my mind of a really good scenario that worked really well, there's a lot of factors, was if we go back uh, a couple years now, I guess, we did, we're, we started practicing, you guys were doing FR evolutions, FR training, um, we're doing a lot of stop the bleed training, and some MCI training. And then, I think, if I remember correctly, we kind of got inspired with the scenario of multi-car pileup that we're seeing in the, on the news from these freeways and stuff in the wintertime. So down at your training grounds, you guys set up, um, what was it, you had motorhome on fire, tractor trailer involved, another car with a under ride or something, I think it was, and MCI, multiple patients. So MCI, MVI, and fire. Yeah, that one is, uh, and one thing we didn't mention about scenarios is, it's hard to do a scenario that involves everyone. 
Um, so I kind of look at it as there's two ways to do it. You do a massive scenario like that if, before we get into that one. Um, you know, we do a massive scenario that involves everybody, like whether, you know, we had like on that one you're talking about, we had, you know, like you said, we, we, there was a fire. So the guys had to fight the fire. There was um, some extrication involved. And then there was uh, a bunch of patient care stuff. So that one, I think it involved pretty much every member that was on the truck or on, on all the attending apparatus on like three trucks or four trucks, whatever we had to attend. And then there's these, the other ones where you have to plan, um, like if you know it's going to be kind of a response that we could probably do with, you know, four or five people. Because um, you don't want to have everybody show up and then have four or five people doing the work and then and then 10 guys standing, on the sh- on, standing around watching what's going on. And I think um, kind of the r- most recent one we did for that was we had an over-embankment in the summer, we did an overmanagement rescue down the hill, which involved the repelling. Uh, and Ash, I don't know if you were involved in that one. Like you were, I think you were an officer in that. I don't know if you were what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was uh, early stages of planning and then stepped out so I could be part of the sim. Um, so yeah, it was, it was like many parts um, over embankment, uh, rope rescue. Um, patient care to injured patients in the vehicle. We've uh, discussed this on the podcast before. Um, and because it was, you know, tender, dry summertime conditions, um, the vehicle actually ended up sparking a bit of a grass fire. Uh, so it was uh, very multifaceted with the skill sets that were required. Oh, see, I was actually talking about a different one. That's how many, that's how many scenarios we've done. <laughs> I was talking oh, about the one think- when, we had, when we had the over embankment um, up by where Rob lives. Middle of summer, and then I paid, and yes. then we, I paid you guys out to a water rescue call of a drowning kayaker in the middle of the that's lake. Right. Um, so again, yeah, so like that's how many scenarios we've done. Um, so that one because I knew the over embankment wasn't going to eat up everybody because it was going to be you know there's only going to be so many guys that can go on the line, um, and it was also kind of a, a way to um, kind of see how they're going to redeploy their crew because. Um, that's another option. Like you have to see like, Hey, can we, can this crew shift gears? Cause that's sometimes that's what scenarios are for to see how quickly we can shift gears. So I purposely waited and I forget who was uh, helping me on that one, but I was like, I was out in the middle of the lake. Um, so I was in my wetsuit and I swam out in the middle of the lake just as we paged it out. So we waited until the lines were hooked up on the rescue truck. Cause the rescue truck has the um, receivers for the um, over embankment lines. So the guys are repelling down this like hundred foot embankment to go to the um, rescue some patients, and then the page comes out for uh, a water rescue call in the middle of the lake. And uh, again, we made it so realistic that I was floating out there and I'm yelling for help. And two guys that are off duty fire from a city department they start swimming into the middle of the lake to come rescue me, and I'm like, no, 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 it's just a scenario. <laughs> so that's how realistic we make these things, and you know, we we tell people that we can, but um, and we do have some signs, but you know, and we can't throw them everywhere. But, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool watching two guys actually come start <laughs> running on the shoreline. Oh, you need help? You need help? No, no, no. It's just a scenario. So, um, so yeah, there's a bunch of different ways to run these scenarios. And, that you know, that's kind of the two uh, big ones. You do a big one or you do a couple mini ones that kind of divide up the crew. Yeah, so, I mean, there, there's lots to, to choose from that we can talk about. Um, I think the one, as you're telling that story, for a large one that involves multiple people and keep them on their toes was last winter when you guys did the car fire 
It was a stolen vehicle. Car was on fire out at Wade's. And then there was somebody in the ice. They said, oh, we reported that the two people or the police officer chased uh, the suspect out to the ice and they fell through. So he had one truck putting out the car fire. Uh, the other guy's prepping for ice rescue. And then your rescue truck was prepping for over embankment to get them up from that lake as well. So that had everybody involved and kind of three quite separated locations as well. So, you know, talking about getting everybody everybody involved in their own little skill sets, uh, that one worked really well for that because the first engine came up, IC was getting a report of what happened and then quickly had to change gears of, oh no, now we have a rescue as well. Uh, not only just the just the car fire. Uh, so that got there's a lot of great communication uh, with the guys in the trucks of hey okay well where do you want to set up okay well we want the uh, I think the rescue truck came down first down to where the car fire the beach access was um, sort of getting the guys geared up for the ice rescue and then relocated up to the bank um, to go and start prepping the lines into the basket stretcher. Yeah, you know I think like sitting back and just listening to the ones that we've come up with. Um, I, I think that's the main focus here. And that is like, how do you wrap your brain around coming up with something like that? Right. Like, you know, it's, it's easy to look back and think about all these wild, wild Sims that we've put on as a group. And um, I think that's one of the main, the main things that we should focus on is we put these on as a group. It doesn't just fall on one, one person to, to always, you know, come up with these crazy ideas and um, spin what might start as like a super crazy idea and then pare it down into a workable scenario. Uh, when you have four, five, six people that are on a crew that you can bounce some ideas off of and build up a realistic but very challenging scenario, that's what's going to yield you the best results. So being able to think outside the box, like it starts as easy as, hey, I want to do a ice rescue. Like, and on that one that Todd was just saying, that was that was kind of the whole point was let's do an ice ice rescue. Perfect. Well, where is their ice still? Okay, here, here, and here. Perfect. Okay. So this is where we're going to do it. Okay, so we go and scout, scout that out. I mean, luckily for us, it was on some private property. So we had a little bit of create, creativity, I would say, um, that we were allowed to do um, some outside the box training there. So, um, you know, you kind of start to build off, off that, like, okay, is it just going to be ice rescue? How many people is that going to involve? All right. Do we block off the road and make it so they can only come from here? So they have to deploy, um, ropes to get down to the edge of the water. And then they have to go onto the ice and effectively perform an ice, ice rescue. Okay. Well now that's half of the guys. All right. Now, how can we build on this? And I think it comes back to, for us, years of running our cash raffle where we write these crazy scripts for um, like these skits that we perform um, for our townsfolk that we give away money every year. Um, and we have to write all these scripts and we, we kind of lean on that ability where we can kind of write a story that goes along with it. Cause even a simple structure fire, if you roll up, yeah, there's a structure fire and there's some people there. Well, like tell the rest of the story yeah, hey, there's somebody out, outside screaming. I'm I'm the 911 caller. Uh, oh, hey, this is my vehicle at home. And kind of making it more real, not just somebody saying, yep, we have a fire with two people inside. No, like I want to see 
this person screaming at the IC when they get there that their husband and their child or their wife and their whatever dog, I don't care what it is, are still inside because that adds the realism back to even the instant command that's getting there first. Yeah, like I look back at the one um, that we ran, I think last year, the guy was putting up his Christmas lights on the burn building. So it came in as an FR call. And uh, I think I was a duty officer. I was on the truck. I was thinking I was captain on the truck or something. I ended up being IC somehow. And uh, I roll up and there's a guy laying on the ground and his ladder has fallen half sideways. He's laying on the ground, like injured pelvis or whatever. Um, so unstable where um, our guys start doing uh, FR on him. We have a small FR crew with us. Um, and then somehow I forget, we realized the, the, the wife that called is nowhere to be found. So uh, start doing a, a search uh, for her. And then next thing, smoke starts coming out of the burn building. So, and then it ends up being a structure fire. Well, we're like, well, how does that happen? Um, and actually it could happen because so what the scenario, what the storyline was again, building a storyline that's kind of plausible was the husband was putting up script light, fell off the roof. Um, as the wife came out to help him, she left the cooking, uh, her, her, French fries or whatever were on the stove. Um, she landed up letting her kitchen on fire because she's now helping the husband. She forgot to turn the stove off because she's going to panic about her husband. She ran back inside to turn the stove off, and now it's a structure fire. So now she collapses from the smoke, and I think their kid was in the house too. So now it turned from just a simple FR call, and then it layered onto all these things. And right off the bat, people are like, wow, that's just craziness. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you making it so hard? Well, we try to layer it in such a way that, um, it's all just um, principle based, so you know it's it's all basic skills. Nothing's crazy. Like we don't do like sometimes, like Ash said, we have crazy storylines that sometimes we come up with. Like, well, let's do this. Let's do like a a seven thirty seven jumbo jet suddenly crashing into an orchard. Like what? <laughs> like I don't think that's ever actually been one, but we we do some kind of really nutty ones. Um, that initially that starts as a as a, an idea, and then we're like, yeah, let's draw that back to something. Could be, could actually happen in our town. Um, chance of a jumbo jet falling out of the sky is pretty slim. Um, you know, but it, we could have an airplane crash because we've had that. Um, we could have something else. Like, um, so we, we kind of bounce those ideas off each other, but we always sort of layer it and make it so it's, if we all, and one thing you have to do is you always have to make it winnable. So, um, one thing I've said long ago was we don't kill firefighters and, um, we don't make it unwinnable. So we don't like if they run out of time, the whole building explodes and everyone and everyone dies. No, it always ha- it always has to be winnable by them, and the firefighters never die. They might get injured, they might need writ, but they never just collapse from something that they've done wrong and die because that's that's what's called a training scar. So you you give them a training scar, and now they're going to be like, "Well, I'm not doing that because that's ridiculous." Um, so that's one thing you have to be very cognizant of. If not giving people training scars, you have to. You know, you have to give them a winnable situation where they're not going to, you know, firefighters aren't going to die. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, let's let's just go back to kind of what you said there. Ash, you kind of nailed it, right? Like, so you get multiple people involved to start building this this training evolution. <clears throat> and, okay, hey, like, this is our scenario we're going to do. So we've led up to it by these training nights practicing skill A, B, C, D, right? Um, but like you said, Scott, it's not just one person creating this event. It's it's a handful of people. So what you guys have set up is your training division. And then 
you guys cycle through. So if you want some of the officers to be involved in the scenario that don't know what's going on, you get other members of the training division involved in that, in that creating that storyline or the scenario. Uh, and then the officers don't know. So they just respond on truck and it's a live scenario. So I find that that works really well as well, because like you mentioned, Scott, if it's, if it's just one person, one captain or something or training officer coming up with this, okay, this is our scenario. This is what we're going to do. It's, it's too much on one person. You need a few other people involved to help get that flow going and that storyline. And uh, like you said, Scott, it's, it, it needs to be winnable. Um, and that's, that's key. Cause like I said, you don't want to create these training scars. Like we've all had these training nights where at the end of it, the, the debriefing is like, well, that was shit. You know, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. We, we like, there's not a positive way to win. You need to set the table, if you will, as far back as the training nights leading up to it, to setting the table for this scenario. And you're setting that table by training the skill sets that you're going to be using and having a few people involved to create that storyline. And one person can be in charge of, like if you do a multifaceted one, like the ice rescue over the bank in a car fire or the MCI one, you know, you have one guy involved in, okay, they're overseeing the MCI portion. You know, another training officer is overseeing the live fire evolution, et cetera, et cetera. So by splitting up those roles and responsibilities is key. Yeah, 100%. I think it's also really important when the people that set up the scenario don't take part in it. Um, if you're going to be hands-on within the scenario, you're setting yourself up for failure. And it's not yourself. You're, you're setting your crew up for failure because nobody will ever see the vision that you have in your mind. Um, there's a thousand ways that you can get to the outcome. And we always joke and say that all fires stop, all, all bleeding stops. <laughs> so the scenario will end one way or another. And as long as a fire goes out and the patients get out of the vehicle or out of the structure or whatever it is, that's a positive out outcome. How you get there and how efficient you get there is going to be up to the team that is in the end responding. Um, but what we've found as um, a training crew is you can be that sort of angel on, on the shoulder. Um, so coming back to trying to set people up for success, allow them to stumble in a scenario, but then, oh, hey, what are you up to? What are you thinking? Oh, okay. Have, have you thought about this? Like, don't say, oh, hey, are you sure you checked upstairs? No. Oh, hey, did you have a team go upstairs yet? Oh, shoot. No, I haven't yet. And then now they're making the decision themselves. So they're, oh, shit, I haven't. Let me make that happen. So it's not, hey, you better send somebody upstairs because, haha, we've got a dummy up there and you just fucking kill them. No, it's, hey, have you thought about maybe sending a secondary team upstairs now that the smoke's cleared? Um, something like, like that, just prompting them, kind of that angel on the shoulder, um, allowing them to come up with the decision for themselves and then get the team acting in a certain way because of their choice is the best possible thing. Um, yeah, rather than allowing them to fail and sitting back with your arms crossed and like, well, I know what we have to train now. Like, we utilize scenarios to know where our strengths and weaknesses are because it is. You can step back, you can detach yourself from it and see the overall view. But if you're just doing that with your arms crossed and watching every negative aspect of it, you're not building skill set. You're getting those training stars. And then people don't want to 
do that hot hustle and they're going to take a couple extra moments and think about what they're doing, not falling back to their training and working on instinct and, and the direction of their officer. Yeah, look at that um, that angel on the shoulder. Not only um, does it, it helps the scenario progress um, and helps them remember, but it also helps me as a training officer and as a captain. Once if, once I am actually on the fire ground, is to think um, like when I detach because I'm detached, right? Like Ash said, you're detached as the training section because um, we're wearing we're wearing a safety vest and we're not like you know we're we're like referees for the for kind of this this scenario. But by doing that, I find even on fire rounds, like I'll often detach myself, become the safety guy. And then I'll say to the IC, like, you know, I've said to Ash before when he's running a fire, I'm like, hey, did you, and it's not like I accuse him. I'm like, hey, did, did we happen to check here? Oh, shit. No, we didn't. Or, oh, yeah, I did. Okay, perfect. Um, it's kind of like that. It, I, I act as the angel on the shoulder, even when I'm not in, in the training scenario. It's, it's just, it helps you get that mentality of act as the angel on the shoulder in the fire ground not accusatory or like, Hey, you really screwed this one up. It's more like, Hey, did, did you remember to do this? Did you remember to do that? Cause there's so much stuff to remember on a fire ground. You're not going to remember it all. So that helps us as, um, and that's one reason why we have, um, all the captains are part of the training section. That's kind of a mandatory thing for captains. They have to be, um, at least take part in the, um, planning of some of the training. Um, some want to do more than others. Um, and then up and coming captains are usually part of the training section because it gets them in that mindset of helping out, not, um, like Ash says, not smugly, like crossing your arms is like, these guys should have known better. It's like, well, yeah, you're the one that planned it. Of course, you have it all worked out in your head. And I think that's the other thing that, that that's important is don't get upset when your scenario doesn't go the way you wanted it done. Um, if, if you want it done, go join Hollywood and make a movie. Because <laughs> this is not what this is for. <laughs> this is a scenario. So if you, if you want, so you make it kind of guided as you want it to happen. But then you got to let it happen, and you can't be like, "Oh my God, they they didn't do this, they didn't do that. I wanted to do that, I wanted to do this." Like, no, it just okay, yeah. Then for next time, if I really want them to do something, I will build them in the scenario that there's no other choice but them for to, for them to do that. But you also got to be careful not to do that too much because you don't want to hold their hand and and force them into a situation because that's not really them learning. That's them now being like pushed into a thing they're like they wouldn't have maybe thought about or they would eventually thought of. So. Um, it keeps it keeps the mind open too because guys will come. Guys will like no plan survives first contact with the enemy. Um, no scenario survives first contact with firefighters because you're like, oh, didn't even see that, <laughs> and then they do something totally like off the wall that you weren't even expecting. But it works, or it didn't, and then we discuss it in the debrief. Yeah, yeah, I, I think nail. You nailed. I I was gonna say, yeah, you, you you really nailed it with the angel on the shoulder thing, like. Um, in a real fire ground scenario, in a real real event, nine on one event, you know that's what we're all doing. Uh, the officers are all doing that. Uh, if we see something, we're going to come up to the the IC or the safety or another officer and said, "Hey, did you guys think about this?" Or you know, you ask that question. You're not accusing them. Whereas sometimes in those training events, if somebody isn't doing that, you and I've seen it uh, from firefighters and other officers, they sit back and they go, "Oh." They forgot about this, or hey, they didn't do that. I would have done it this way. It's like, well, they didn't see that. Well, are you gonna are you gonna say something? Like, step up, say something. Like, it's not on the IC or that particular officer's role in that training event to fail. It's you're still as a team. You have to speak up and say something. We're, we're all we're all looking for safety. We're all working together with the ideas. 
like you're going to have your instant action plan as an IC and as your officers. However, you know, you see something, you got to say something or you got to ask, look for that clarification. Um, you know, we had a, a writ event a number quite a, quite a while ago um, where some of the firefighters were kind of standing in the, in the, uh, the writ evolution saying, oh, well, why, why are they doing it that way? They should be doing it this way. And, oh, they're not answering their radio. I see he's calling them. Like, well, what team are you on right now? Oh, I'm, I'm backing up writ. Say something. Speak up. You know, answer the radio for them. Pat them on the shoulder. Hey, IC's calling you. You want me to get it? You know, like, like work as a team. And if you don't work out those kinks in the training, it's not going to work in real life. Yeah. Um, I think one of the really important things to do, and I'll, I'll uh, reference one of our scenarios that actually didn't go very well. Um, you know, it didn't matter what we kind of prompted as an angel on the shoulder. Um, just the guys were having an off day and that's going to happen. Uh, but what we didn't do is dwell on all of the negatives. Like I think it's very, very important to have that round table debrief af- afterwards. Talk about the positives, talk, talk about the negatives and don't sugarcoat it. If something didn't go, go well, explain it, talk it through. Don't point fingers like, Hey Todd, like, why did you do this fucking guy? No, it's, Hey, like as a team, like, what do we think our strengths were tonight? What do we think our weaknesses were? You know what? I believe that you guys did a really good job forcing that door and making the push. I heard really good comms, blah, blah, blah. Hey, you know what? We actually didn't clear the upper level, like whatever it might be. Um, you know, like going through and Scott's famous two, two stars and a wish go a long way. Um, but when you have a scenario that might not go exactly the way that you had planned, what we've, we've actually done is the very next week, we recreated the exact same scenario flipped up a couple of people like changed changed some people in leadership changed some people on the truck still had everybody involved and that wasn't to say that these guys did it wrong it was just allowing them to step out of that area and see from a different viewpoint so there was no blame placed on anybody in any particular position it was more of a hey like you already know you've already made these these choices so it's unfair to put you back in there because you're not going to make that exact same one again. Let's put somebody else in there having heard and seen the choices that you made. And now you can be like an in-play angel and say, hey, like, like speak up and say something to that person. So we did that. We had a live fire scenario that, that went okay. Like it wasn't shit, but like it wasn't the best that we've ever had. Um, and then we ended up doing it again. We switched up the people and allowed them to go in and succeed as a team. And it was crazy to watch the people that were in leadership roles before, um, like be it IC or like a first end officer would then step back and be maybe on the second truck, but was such a vocal supporting officer or a firefighter that saw something before was like, Hey, let's make sure that we do this. Um, and the second go around left such a positive mark that I think having that, that, quote failure the first time which every scenario can be winnable but doesn't mean you're going to do a good job every time so being able to come back and take that winnable and improve upon it and actually like excel um i think landed way way better than if a person would have just said well we know what we have to work on awesome hustle here and here 
but we know we have a whole bunch of things to work on and then not touch it again for two or three months. I think that would have left a lot more of a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths than getting back after it immediately while it's still fresh and improving upon it immediately. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Well said. Um, so do we want to add anything more to that or we want to talk about any specific scenario that worked well, how we kind of set it up? What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know. There's just so many, um, you know, it's kind of, and like I said, depend, like don't always do it over. Like don't always do structure fire. Don't always do some crazy, like ridiculous thing. You can, you can just make them simple too. Um, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we just did a, you know, I mean, we're doing scenarios almost month, once a month now. So, um, to make them crazy every week or every month, they, it gets, and I, it gets hard to do because, you know, like it takes a lot of work, but, um, you know, even last, what was it? last scenario we did uh, we kind of talked about this uh, a couple episodes ago um you know ash just ran it rash was running it by himself um we had a slimmer crew that night because i think it was right in the middle of hunting season so we had like five guys away that are normally normally there but they're all out hunting so smaller crew um we kind of had a quick chat i kind of knew what the scenario was going to be um didn't really know the full deal so um ash and i had a quick chat i said yeah let's just run it he had to kind of do it by himself so it wasn't you know, um, as elaborate, but it's, it was a bread and butter, um, structure fire search, um, put, uh, put the fire out kind of thing. Um, a little bit of venting, find the patient, get them out. Um, very simple. But then what we did is we had time. So we just did the same evolution like two or three more times. That was probably the first time we've done that where we've done the scenario and then did it again a few more times. Um, to really nail it, um, because we had time. Um, other times there's like, um, over or there's, uh, like car accident. Um, obviously once the car's cut, you can't really recut the car. So, um, but that again, we usually have those as multiple vehicles, multiple patients and never, it's never going to be just like a quick fender bender. Um, unless it's one of those scenarios where we have multiple scenarios going on at once. So, um, yeah, I, th- I forgot what I was getting at. Um, basically, it kind of based it on the time of year. Um, realistically, what's going to happen that time of year? So you know, we like we, like I said, oh, we got a fire call. <laughs> NBA, let's cut it there, boys. All right, see you later, John. Stay safe. Stay DTFF.